0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 4040 Vision Podcast. I am your host, Colette Abdallah, and I'm joined today by my fellow host, uh, Osama DeHood. What's up, man? How are you?
1: Good, man. How's it going?
0: It's going well. I'm also joined by my other co-host, Salman Huck. How's it going, man?
2: Yo, what's going on, man?
0: Not much, not much. So today we are doing a redraft of the top 15 picks in the 2014 NBA draft. We used to just do the lottery, but because of this new format, we decided to switch it up and make it an odd number, and you'll see why. So this is an incredible draft. It's got a ton of talent all the way through, and there's at least, I want to say, 20 or 25 guys worthy of being lottery picks, including maybe some undrafted guys too. And we're going to do the same re- same format as our last redraft, where Osama and Salman each make their selections, and I pick which of the two I like better. And at the end, we'll crown a winner. And that's the reason we went with a... Uh, Odd number this time because last time we ended up in a tie and nobody likes ties unless you're playing soccer and even then you don't really like it that much. So we'll go ahead and we'll start with the first pick in the draft and that was uh, Andrew Wiggins guard out of Kansas who went first overall to the Cleveland Cavaliers and this pick was traded for uh, to Minnesota in exchange for Kevin Love and a couple other things. So we'll start with Osama. Who did you have the Cleveland Cavaliers slash Minnesota Timberwolves picking here?
1: Yeah, right. The, the, basically, the pick it's who do you have the Cavs trading uh, to build the, big, the new big three from LeBron James's move from Miami back to Cleveland. Uh, yeah, there's a couple guys you could go. There's only two you could go here. I, I went with the Joker, Nikola Jokic. I thought this was a no-brainer. An all-time talent already. Uh, Chris Paul is a seven-footer, basically, you know, and he was such an unknown at the time when he was drafted. It was during a Taco Bell commercial, as his name scrolled on the bottom. He wasn't announced by uh, uh, not it wasn't was it, it was I think it was Adam Silver already at the time. I think he'd taken over for uh, the, the the former uh, for David Stern. So yeah, I mean, he gets traded for LeBron James's return, but uh, e- either way. I uh, would have been super impactful in minnesota uh, would have been a different look than andrew wiggins who took a uh, a bit of time to to find his footing uh, so this is a no-brainer i mean this is a future hall of famer he's on the verge of being a possible three time back to back to back mvp he's just how he's an incredible player
2: yeah, I I agree with you here, Osama. I also went Nikola Djokic. and maybe and maybe he doesn't get traded, right? Because of his talent and his ability to shoot the three ball, you know, maybe he does all those things. Um, but they'd have to wait some time to get that return on the Joker here. So maybe he does end up as as a, as a Timberwolf. But yeah, same pick for me here, Nikola Djokic.
0: It's hard to argue with that selection. Uh, I leaned. A little bit towards Embiid, but I think because of the injury history and, and the fact that it took him, I don't know, three years to get really started in the in the NBA, you have to go with the Joker, who is looking like an all-time great uh, and probably will be by the time he's done. He's only 27 years old, and he leads this uh, this draft class not in points, which was surprising, but in rebounds and assists, neither of which are surprising given the, the rest of the the type of players that were drafted after him. So, uh, I think this is a really interesting thought uh, exercise. I, I definitely think Cleveland still trades the pick to get Kevin Love because it's LeBron and he wants to win now, and he has no patience to uh, develop a guy like Jokic. So, it, it takes Minnesota on a really different trajectory where they end up with, uh, you know, Jokic instead of Carl Anthony Towns. And then, you know, what do, what do they become eventually and what does he become? Uh, Because he's shown that he can still transcend the small market and still become a great player. And maybe Minnesota just takes a different trajectory in uh, their, you know, status as a contender. So, um, all right. So, I I mean, you guys both get the point. So, we got one each. So, we're tied up here. And I think after this, maybe you guys will start to vary a little bit given uh, the rest of the picks. So, uh, we'll go. the, The second overall pick belonged to the Milwaukee Bucks. And they selected small forward Jabari Parker out of Duke. So, Solman, who did you have Milwaukee selecting here?
2: I have them taking Joel Embiid. I mean, this is basically the top two guys are Jokic and Embiid here. And so, if you took Jokic one, Embiid has to go two. He's a five-time All-Star, four-time All-NBA second team. He's three-time All-NBA defensive second team. He led the league in scoring in 2022. So, you know, just overall, he's a he's a beast of a player. He has you know pretty well-rounded guy, both an offensive game, defensive game. And the Bucs here were starting guys like John Henson, Larry Sanders, and these type of guys. And can you just imagine the pick and roll game between Embiid and Giannis? And man, that would have been nasty. Maybe there's a little bit of a fit issue in terms of spacing, but you know, Joel can hit that three as well. He's a career 33.9% shooter from the three-point range. And he's got that mid-range there too, where he shoots over about 45% from there as well. So really, really good fit here with Giannis and uh, really propels the Bucks here.
1: Yep, I took Joel Embiid as well. It's pretty amazing. This is an interesting what-if because he's going to be hurt when he gets there for a couple years. Their bucks are going to stink anyway. They're going to get Giannis anyway. And you have arguably the scariest front court duo of all time. And when Jason Kidd gets there, he starts Giannis at point guard and he becomes a triple-double machine night in, night out with Joel Embiid it's uh this, is, this would have been just incredible and that fit would with, with Giannis and whoever else they end up bringing uh totally changes the outlook of the nba it, it, it's yeah he he ended up only going a spot earlier uh because of how amazing of a talent he was and it was that clear he was an incredible player uh so yeah bucks would get him beat here
0: so i i lean that way of course um but the question that I had is does Embiid coming to Milwaukee impact the development of Giannis? Does it because you know we we saw I I don't wanna uh kind of blaspheme against Giannis and say that he's kinda of like Ben Simmons, but in a way he kind of is, right? In this the ideal version of Ben Simmons is, is Ben Simmons is Giannis, right? He's the that point forward, he can guard one through five, he can uh, distribute. You put Ben Simmons on a court with, with four shooters, just like you put Giannis on a court with four shooters. So is there a fit question? Is there a fit issue with with Giannis and Embiid? I know talent can probably overcome all, and we know Giannis is 100 times mentally tougher than Ben Simmons, but is there a fit issue with these guys on the court? I'll ask Solman since, since you went first.
2: I I would say maybe a little bit, but We've seen Embiid, right? He can be a he can hit the mid range. He can space the floor a little bit. Um, so, I, and you know, given that Embiid was hurt early on, maybe Giannis still gets that development going, and he still gets his you know confidence up. And then they start running these pick and rolls. Uh, you know, Embiid can space the floor. He's he's a pretty good mid range shooter for you know a center. And so, I, I don't think it's as questionable of a fit as like say you put like a very traditional big man like Clint Capella down there with him, right? Uh, the fact that Embiid can shoot, it's it's it makes it a little bit of an easier fit, I feel.
0: Osama, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I think you know, Giannis is Ben Simmons, but with that dog in him, right? That's who Giannis is, if Ben Simmons had a dog in him. I, I think it accelerates his development. Not only did Jason Kidd play a part in it, but when you play with a great player like Embiid, Giannis seems like the type of guy that would be up for that. That would be like, hell yeah, I'm going to play even better for this guy he's a great player i know in my mind i'm an amazing player uh I, I think that nothing nothing changes except maybe you see that that hint of greatness earlier in his career
0: i got you yeah that that makes sense i feel like we we kind of see a poor man's version of what mb does with with brooke lopez with that size that rim protection and brooke lopez reinvented himself later in his career as as more of a shooter than your traditional big man Um, So I can see it. I see the vision. And of course, Embiid gets to play with a guy like Giannis, who is very similar to Jimmy Butler in terms of his mentality and his attitude. And I think Embiid really fed off that. And I think that's why he struggled so much with Simmons is because the attitude was was the biggest issue. So uh, you guys are both uh, two for two at this point. So we were tied at two each. And we'll move on to our next pick. And one thing I noticed about this draft is there's so many awesome nicknames for these guys. Uh, Jabari Parker doesn't have a nickname, but Andrew Wiggins, there's, he's got Maple Jordan, the talent, uh, two-way wigs, uh, and then, of course, the third overall pick, which you guys mentioned already, uh, went to the Philadelphia 76ers, and that is Joel The Process Embiid, uh, center out of Kansas. So Embiid is off the board for uh, both of you guys. So, Osama, who did you have the Sixers taking during this uh, process era?
1: Yeah, there were about like three guys, maybe four guys, like kind of rotated while trying to figure this out. But I went with Young Hollywood, a.k.a. Flight 8, known as Zach Levine, uh, at number three. Um, I don't know if Sunman picked him or not. We'll find out in a second. But I went with Zach Levine because, uh, you know, his stint with the Bulls has been great enough to make him worthy at this point. He's shown an incredible offensive game. Um, defensively he can get better, but I think his scoring ability more than makes up for it. And you look at who Philly picked here, they were looking for a franchise player. They were looking for someone who can carry them a bit, and they needed something. They needed to show something for tanking intentionally, right, to get in this position in the first place. I think he would have given them a scoring punch and would have been a great start to that. Uh, tanking to the top for the process.
2: Yep, I also went Zach Levine here. Um, again, all the things you said, right? Great talent, great offensive player. He's second in this draft class in terms of career points per game at twenty point one, just ahead of Nikola Jokic and behind Embiid. So again, another dynamic player here, uh, you know, super athletic guy that they could start um, instead of maybe say a 34 year old Jason Richardson, which was, who was playing for them at this time. So Zach Levine is the smart pick here for sure.
0: Wow. Okay. I definitely did not expect that. Um, But when I was doing my, my research, i also had them picking Zach Levine. I leaned uh, possibly Marcus smart because I know they, they were, they needed a point guard. I think they were starting, ish smith at this point uh or could be wrong and then they eventually started ish smith and tj mcconnell and a whole laundry list of point guards um so yeah uh both of you guys get this point here uh zach Levine is an interesting case in situation and you know how that can determine your basically the trajectory of your career is taking his career has taken an interesting path because of obviously started minnesota got traded for essentially jimmy butler to chicago and he's become the best player on a mediocre team, I think is fair to say. Uh, So I think we're all waiting for him to take that next step from really good player on a so-so team to a great player on a good team. And maybe in Philadelphia he gets to do that, um, and then Philadelphia probably doesn't waste a couple picks later on on guys like uh, Julia Locafor, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that that's really fascinating to go down that path. Um, All right. So three for three, tied again. Uh, so Hopefully we'll get some variants here. <laughs> we'll see. So neither of you guys know who, just to be clear, they don't know who each other is picking. So it's, it's, they're all a mystery. Uh, so with the fourth overall pick, the Orlando Magic picked Aaron Gordon, a.k.a. Air Gordon, uh, power forward out of Arizona. So, Solman, who did you have the Magic picking here?
2: I had them going here with Julius Randle. So it was clear the Magic kind of needed this uh, dynamic power forward, but I feel Randle might be a better fit here. He's top four in points scored in this class, also top three here in rebounds. He's a one-time second-team All-Pro uh, here in the NBA and then an All-Star in 2021. Uh, so he had, he, I think his career was its pretty interesting, but he had a rebirth here with the Knicks, and I think he comes in and contributes right away over guys like Kylo Quinn, Channing Fry. The defensive pairing here with Nikola Vucevic would be a little bit questionable, but man, that would be one hell of an offensive uh, front court there for the Magic, and you know Randall is uh, just a little bit, you know, more of a better scorer and things like that versus Aaron Gordon. So I went with Julius Randall here. Uh,
1: I went here with Andrew Wiggins, aka Maple Jordan, aka Two Way Wigs, aka the Prospect, et cetera, et cetera, and I, I picked him here because. He always showed promising talent during his time in Minnesota. I mean, it's why he went number one overall. Uh, th- th- it was clear that there was a, a, a great player in there somewhere. Uh, he didn't show it early on, but I, I think we've seen his the pinnacle of him at Golden State. He showed he can be a formidable two-way player defending the other team's best player, like a Luka Doncic or a, a Jason Tatum, while still being a vulture on the offensive boards and picking his spots to score, he could really light it up when he finds his groove. Um, We've seen his potential, and I really value that impact. So I think he belongs up here when he can lock in defensively. He is an elite talent, and I I think maybe he doesn't show it early enough, but we know who he is now. Uh, It's kind of what pegged Julius Randle down a bit for me is – Sometimes he does this boneheaded shit like run at defenders and take these contested shots, and he takes a lot of mid-range jumpers, and his arms are really short. He looks like an alligator a little bit. Um, so that's why I went with Wiggins here.
0: I I remember last podcast you guys uh, accused me and slandered me of being uh, leaning towards Warriors and ex-Warriors, so Warriors bias. Um, and in this case, you will find the complete opposite. I'm actually going to go with Julius Randle. That's who I thought – Uh, was the best fit here. Um, The issue that I have with Wiggins, I think everyone has, is effort and maturity. And I think if he goes to a team like Orlando that didn't know how to use Aaron Gordon, that seems to waste careers, maybe not so much anymore. They're starting to turn that around. Uh, My concern is that he just falls into that same habits that he had in Minnesota, where he's putting up numbers, he's scoring a ton of points. I think he's the... He's the leading scorer in this class by a good 700 points. Uh, so that, that's my main concern is his career goes to waste there. But I think Randall, he does some of the things that Aaron Gordon does, but he's a little more versatile. He's, he can create a little bit more. He's more of a polished scorer, um, especially in, in his Knicks years. So I'm going to go with uh, Solman getting the point here for Julius Randle. Any rebuttals here now that we finally have some variance? We'll start with you, Sam. What do you think?
1: Wiggins is going to get moved regardless, and and he's going to get moved to a place like, I don't know, a Boston or a Golden State or something like that to really tap his potential. Um, But because for me, uh, we've seen it. uh, When you can be a 16-team player, that's why I ranked him higher. I don't think Julius Randle is, but he is a good player.
0: I don't think he's had the chance to do that. That, that's that's the difference. He's been on some bad teams. Maybe some of that is his fault. But anyway. Uh, all right. We'll move on to the fifth overall pick, the Utah Jazz selected point guard Dante Exum. Sama, who did you have the Jazz picking here?
1: I had the Jazz picking Julius Randle here. We know he's a volume ISO player, all-star caliber player. Uh, this would have been a great place for him to start his career. I think his defense would have been developed a bit more in utah they are really good at that they have a great system great development staff i think he takes a big leap a lot earlier in his career than when he got to the knicks uh, and more so than he would have uh in orlando so i think this is a really good spot for him
2: i ended up going here with marcus smart actually and uh again thought about andrew wiggins here as well but the jazz had gordon hayward and joe ingles on the roster and cre- clearly they needed a point guard and you know, Marcus Smart is that defensive stopper that they could put in here with Gordon Hayward. They could play him next to Trey Burke and he can defend, you know, any of those guard spots. He could defend the three, the four. So Marcus Smart, he doesn't put up a lot of, you know, flashy stats, but he gets the job done, especially on the defensive end. And he was Defensive Player of the Year in 2022. And he's a three time All NBA defensive first team for the last three years. So I think the pairing of Marcus Smart here with Gordon Hayward and maybe Hayward, that convinces Hayward to stick around as they're adding more pieces and you have. You know, Rudy Gobert coming in here, uh, just really powers the Jazz and, and gives them a, a nice little, uh, you know, team there to grow forward with.
0: I'm gonna go once again with Solman's pick. So I actually had Marcus Smart circled here. Uh, once again, I I do not like him as a player. I think he's dirty, but he's a great player. In the same breath. <laughs> I can't. Uh, I can't take away from what he does on the court. Uh, when he's not trying to jack up threes, he's a winning player. He's a great defender, uh, especially at, at his position. And I think he fits in really well with this Jazz team. I considered Wiggins, uh, but for the same reasons that that you mentioned, Salman, they already had uh, Gordon Hayward, and I mean he probably could have played the two instead of Rodney Hood, but I don't know if that that may have been a, a weird fit for him. Uh, so I think. When you have Marcus Smart and Rudy Gobert, for all the jokes that we make about Rudy, uh, I think it would have made for a great defensive team. And Utah is already known for being disciplined and well coached, and I think he fits in perfectly with that culture. So, Osama, you just lost two in a row. Uh,
1: what's your rebuttal here? Highly disagree with this pick. That's that's my <laughs> that's my. I mean, Marcus Smart struggled to uh, score offensively um, in the league. I think that. If he was on any other team besides Boston, he would struggle quite a bit. I think that he's just a good fit for the Celtics and his development. Um, I just, Yeah, that, that's just me. I think that he, there's a lot of players that um, if he wasn't drafted by the Celtics would have gone ahead. I don't know where we would have seen him in the league if he wasn't on um, that incredible development staff in Boston. So that's why I, I, I didn't pick him here.
0: I think we know who you're going to pick next then. Uh, So with the sixth overall pick, the Boston Celtics selected point guard Marcus Smart out of Oklahoma State, whose nickname apparently is Wolverine uh, or Cobra. Never heard that one. I would have I personally would have gone with a green goblin or something because he does have the green hair and he plays on a green team. So that 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 makes sense to me. Uh, So Salman, who did you have the Celtics picking since uh, Marcus Smart is off the board for you?
2: Yeah, with Marcus Smart off here, I went Clint Capella. Uh, you know, the Celtics had Kelly Olenek, Tyler Zeller on the roster. But, you know, you look at Capella here, he's number two in rebounds in this class. He's number three in uh, the value over replacement player stat here. And I think, you know, Boston could have really just benefited from a defensive minus center here. And, and Capella is a guy who would come in, solidify the rotation for him. He has career averages of like 12 points per a game, 11.7 rebounds per a game, and 1.4 blocks per game. Um Another option for me here was Wiggins, but if you look at the Celtics roster, they were just a ton of small forward shooting guard. Not really great ones, but just so many mediocre ones um, that you know I decided to go with center here versus Andrew Wiggins.
1: I went with Marcus Smott here uh, in, in Boston, one of the best defenders at his position in the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, 15 years. A heart and soul of the Celtics defense that... They've been formidable from the day he was drafted. Doesn't matter who you put next to him. Put little Isaiah Thomas, who fit in most op- opposition's belly buttons. Doesn't really matter. They're still and have been in an incredible defense with him on the roster. Um, this is—he was born to be a Celtic. There's just no other way. He's a a Celtic lifer, um, and yeah, this is just fate. This is destiny. Don't pixel mine. <laughs>
0: I completely agree. I mean, there's some guys that just fit with the team. It's just a perfect marriage from the start. Um, it fits with the team, the team culture, the fans. Um, even though I'm pretty sure for a long time, at the beginning of last season, especially until they went on that crazy win streak in the second half, a lot of fans and uh, you know writers and bloggers wanted them to trade away Marcus Smart. So he redeemed himself, became the defensive player of the year, Uh, and was one of the main catalysts for them making it to the finals because I think he finally recognized his role on that team. Uh, He still can't dribble all that well. He's not a traditional point guard, not someone that you would trust with running your offense, but he fits perfectly with that team. On the subject of Capella, I did consider him here. I think the Celtics have been looking for uh, that secondary big man for a long time, Um, and I was really surprised that he's— You know, I think second in in VORP and second in wind shares. But I wonder how much of that has to do with just playing on those Rockets teams that were just racking up regular season wins like candy. I don't know. Uh, I do like Capella as a player, but I think the fit here for Marcus Smart is just too perfect. Um, And also, Mon, you already picked him, so you couldn't pick him again. But I do think Wiggins was a good choice here as well. Uh, But like you said, they were pretty backed up when it came to uh, small forwards and wings and stuff. But any rebuttals, Solman?
2: No, that's it's fair. It's fair. Marcus Smart is probably the better fit here, but he was off the board for me. Um, and I, I just didn't see the quite see the Wiggins fit here with all those you know small forwards and shooting guards they had on the roster. So fair, I'll take
0: it. I mean, clearly they weren't good enough because they went uh, Jalen Brown <laughs> and Jason Tatum the next couple of drafts.
2: Yeah, many many years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: That was a weird team. That Celtics team, fifteen sixteen. There was. Tayshawn Prince was on there for a while, Uh, Evan Turner. It
2: was really weird. It was really weird.
0: It's it's surprising that they won 40 games, but I guess uh, shout-out Brad Stevens. Uh, All right. So the seventh overall pick was uh, with the Los Angeles Lakers. They selected power forward Julius Randle out of Kentucky. Uh, His nicknames are Don Julio and Orange Julius. I really like Don Julio. That's a cool one. Uh, So, Osama, who did you have the Lakers taking here seventh overall?
1: Uh, I went Clint Capella here. Um, I think he was a traditional big man drafted by what would become a really three-point happy shooting team in the Rockets, and he played behind Dwight Howard in the beginning, yet he was still incredibly effective as a rim protector, um, as a rim runner rolling to the basket. He's elite at that. He's, he's gone on to prove that in Atlanta as well. Uh, this incarnation of the Lakers had an aging Kobe Bryant, the only starting center was Jordan Hill, who we know didn't really work out um, even as a lottery pick. He didn't have a whole lot of competition at center. Carlos Boozer was a 12-year veteran in the league at this point playing at power forward. So I think uh, he would have been impactful here uh, as well. So uh, this, this would have been a great fit for
2: him. My pick here is Andrew Wiggins. He's another talented guy just wasn't worth the number one pick here but he is a one-time all-star and was rookie of the year in the 2014-2015 season he also is number one in this draft class in terms of total points I think he really found his stride here with the Warriors where he had proper mentorship and they really made him focus on both sides of the ball so I think you know coming in here with the Lakers with the soon-to-retire Kobe Bryant may he rest in peace he gets uh, a little bit of mentorship here and maybe gives the Lakers a solid core to move forward as in the next couple of drafts, they go with D'Angelo Russell and Brandon Ingram. And my pick here is Andrew Wiggins for those reasons.
0: I think it could have gone one of two ways with, uh, with Wiggins in this situation. I mean, obviously he gets to be on the team with, with Kobe and he can get that mentorship and Basically, take the the winning approach to basketball and understanding the you know the, the dedication that it takes to be a winning player, or he kind of ignores everything that Kobe says. Takes like the Kwame Brown route where he's just you know beaten down by the uh, criticism. I think Kobe was at a different stage in his career. I don't think he was quite as harsh uh, as he probably would have been earlier in his career. So I do think it does help Wiggins' uh, long term career trajectory. Uh I do like Capella as a fit here. I think the following year they were they're starting forward or starting centers were Roy Hibbert and Tariq Black and Robert Sacra. Uh so with all that said, I do think Wiggins is the pick here because he has the higher ceiling to Capella. He is a player that perhaps in the right situation is someone that you can build on. He was the those Warriors second best player on the title team last year. So in the right situation, I think uh, Wiggins gets the, th- the
1: nod here. Uh, Osama, what do you say?
0: It's hard to argue
1: with it. He's fallen pretty far down the list here, and I had him a lot higher, so it's a good pick.
0: All right. So we'll move on to the eighth overall pick, and that is uh, the Sacramento Kings selecting shooting guard Nick Stauskas out of Michigan, whose nickname is Sauce Castillo. Never would have thought. he's. Just to be clear, Nick Stauskas is, is the whitest of the white. Go to, to Sixers games when he was on the team a couple of years later, uh, people would have posters of the Tapatio guy, except it was Nick Stauskas' face on it. So it made no sense to me. I should have looked it up, but it's a great nickname and just another one of the great nicknames uh, on this list. Uh, but anyway, Mont, who did you have the Kings picking here uh, eighth overall?
2: I went Jordan Clarkson here for the Sacramento Kings. It was clear they needed a shooting guard. They had Ben McLemore, but, you know, I they were, they were clearly looking for something more, right? And Clarkson had a pretty good rookie season here with the Lakers where he made the All-Rookie First Team, and then, you know, maybe his career trajectory took a little bit of a slide, and then he revived himself here uh with the Utah Jazz, carved out a nice uh sixth man, Lou Williams type role here where he just comes in and he scores a bunch of buckets. He won the six-man award in 2021. And and you look at Clarkson this season. He's averaging 21 points in about 32 minutes a game. And so he's a guy who just really brings that scoring punch the Kings were looking for. And that's who I had him taking here over Sas Castillo.
1: Yeah, I went with Aaron Gordon here. Um, Aaron Gordon, really solid defensive player. Uh, really talented athletic offensive player too. Uh, that would have been an immediate contributor on this team that had a bunch of Injury-prone, not very talented forwards. I think some of these guys would have gotten cut, like a Jason Thompson, a David Ware, Derek Williams. These guys weren't really that good. Eric Gordon, Aaron Gordon, excuse me, um, was was a really uh, incredible talent. And it's hard with the Kings; you just don't know if they're really going to keep any of the guys that they draft. Um, I think he would have played uh, with Demarcus Cousins, whether at this point or. Or a little bit later, that would have been pretty interesting. So I, I really like Aaron Gordon here.
0: This was a tough one. Uh, I can see the cases for both. I think uh, Clarkson makes sense uh, on this team because they do, ne- they do need some scoring. They do need some creation. Uh, they wasted the pick in, of, of Ben McLemore, who hasn't ended up being very good. And, of course, Nick Stauskas wasn't very good either. Uh, But I am going to lean towards Aaron Gordon. I think he is a more talented player than Jordan Clarkson. I think uh, he's a little more versatile. I think it it would be an interesting fit with him next to DeMarcus Cousins. It would have given them an interesting front line. Um, But I do think the mobility of Gordon would have been a little more fun and kind of the the athleticism and versatility that he brings. So it it was close. I I definitely understand the need for both guys, but I think – Aaron Gordon, if you use him properly, can give you a little more than Jordan Clarkson. So, uh, Salman, what do you?
2: I can see that. I can see that. Um, though I do wonder, you know, how well the Kings do develop Aaron Gordon, uh, especially with with them focusing a little bit on Demarcus Cousins, who ends up being pretty unhappy there in Sacramento. So, uh, but you know, it's it's a fair fair pick there.
0: Yeah, and I think if if we're talking about development, I mean Jordan Clarkson was the forty sixth overall. Yeah, pick. yeah, that's that, like that, that's
2: was. fair.
0: Yes. So you know he's ne- he's definitely not the same guy that he was. He- his career has taken an in- interesting couple turns as well. Uh, but yeah, I think Aaron Gordon. There's a, a more linear path to getting a productive NBA player uh, out of out of those two guys. Uh, so we'll move on to the ninth overall pick. The Charlotte Hornets selected power forward Noah Vonley out of Indiana. He does not have a cool nickname. Uh, Osama, who did you have the Hornets picking here?
1: Yeah, I just think they picked the wrong big guy. Uh, they, they they should have taken Yusuf Nurkic here, um, a really talented offensive big, a uh, real difference maker. Although health was an issue for him, and it has been, I don't think they really knew that back then. Um, they had a really great playoff run. He would have been so impactful. At the time against the Miami Heat, they had a really great run. Steve Clifford, an incredible coach. Uh, at the time, he was seen as a great uh, player, uh, uh, developer under the Greg Popovich tree. Uh, more, more than a co- complimentary piece, you get a, a really good starting center here.
2: I went with Jeremy Grant, actually. So it was clear the Hornets were looking for a power forward. They had Marvin Williams on the roster, but you know Noah Vonleh wasn't exactly the answer here and Jeremy Grant would have been an excellent fit here in this spot um you know he took him it took him some time to get his career going he bounced around from the 76ers to OKC to the Nuggets where he started showing flashes and then he got to Detroit and he really you know lit it up he was averaging 22 points per game and five rebounds that season while shooting 35 percent from threes and then look at what he's doing now on the Blazers this season he's he's averaging 21.6 points per game while shooting 43 percent from the three and so Jeremy's Jeremy Grant is just a guy. You can plug in at power forward. He's really that kind of stretch forward type of dude. He gives you some scoring, some defense, and, and it's just a really good shooter. And that's why I went with Jeremy Grant here for the Hornets.
0: I, I get it. Uh I think I like the player that Jeremy Grant has become. Uh, but I think it's it's taken him a little bit too long uh to get started as uh opposed to to Nurkic, who was uh, pretty much a contributor right away Uh, to those Denver teams. They kind of had that that uh, two-towers approach with him and Jokic, and they obviously had to choose one over the other, and they definitely made the right choice. Uh, He has had injury issues. I think a lot of those were, I want to say, like impact injuries. They weren't necessarily like uh, muscle injuries. Maybe I'm misremembering, but uh, I, I definitely prefer Nurkic as a player. Maybe if you told me now, Who I would prefer definitely be uh, Jeremy Grant, but I think at the time, given the fact that we're talking almost eight years later, I think you get a lot more out of Nurkic initially uh, than you would have out of Grant. So, what do you think, Salman?
2: I would say probably when it's all said and done, Grant has the better career than Nurkic. Like we're we're seeing Nurkic slow down a lot, and so, and he's eight years in, and Grant is just kind of finding his stride. But yeah, I mean when it's all said and done, maybe. But yeah, to your point, Nurkic contributes right away for them.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so we'll move on to the 10th overall pick where the uh, Philadelphia 76ers uh, essentially picking for the Orlando Magic because they traded this pick. They select point guard Alfred Payton out of Louisiana. I thought he had a nickname, but I guess not. Uh, Maybe with that hair, that's just enough of a. Maybe they call him like Elf
2: for short, but that's about it.
0: Elf, that's not a good nickname. (laughs) Uh, So, so Salman, who did you have the. Philadelphia 76ers, aka the Orlando Magic, uh, picking here.
2: Yeah, uh, I thought point guard was the right idea here. I went with Spencer Dinwiddie, and he's uh, just a little bit better of a fit versus Elfried Payton because of his, you know, Elfried Payton couldn't really shoot, but Dinwiddie is a much better shooter who, you know, currently this season is shooting 40% from three. And I think he would have been a great fit here next to Vucevic and Oladipo, and now in my world, Julius Randle. And you've given this Magic team a really solid core here. Um, and so I thought Spencer Dinwiddie would have been a better fit here versus Alfred Payton.
1: I went with Jeremy Grant here. Um, I think, you know, his ability to play on both ends of the floor, a solid defender. He can stretch. He can play the three or the four. Uh, he's probably the last player on this list that would be, especially in today's NBA, a huge number three on a title team now that we've kind of seen his development. Uh, th- this is a really good pick here for the magic, whether he develops here or not, not so important. It does take him some time, but, um, as we can see now, a very much relevant player in today's NBA.
0: Do you have any concerns with the fit of, uh, I believe you picked uh, Zach Levine earlier. Uh, I'm sorry. No, you picked Andrew Wiggins earlier. Do you have any concerns with, um, kind of doubling up there? I mean, I know Grant is more of a power forward, but do you have any concerns with that.
1: I think wings come at such a premium. It's really good to have wing depth. Point guards come and go all the time. Spencer Dinwiddie was a bit of a, a journeyman, too, and we're really far down in the lottery now, so I think that that depth is, sup- is super important. Um, that's why I like them here.
0: That's totally fair, and I think uh, a couple interesting stats. I mean, uh, Jeremy Grant has, uh, let's see about. 2,000 more points, or about 1,500 more points in his career than Spencer Dinwiddie, which I thought was uh, curious. And then, of course, uh, point guard—sorry, uh, rebounds, he has considerably more. And then assists, obviously, Spencer Dinwiddie will have a lot more than Jeremy Grant, given the position that he plays. But I do think that Jeremy Grant is a reasonable facsimile to Aaron Gordon, uh, who they had on this team. And I think it gives them a really interesting team, the following year, if you if you ended up with uh, you know Wiggins and Grant, because you have a really interesting front court with uh, Tobias Harris, Vucevic, Wiggins, Grant, uh, Fournier is in there too, and then you throw Oladipo, and all of a sudden that becomes a really versatile defensive team that can probably make some noise uh, in the East. I know this year they were not very good; they were uh, maybe 10, 12 games under five hundred. But I think if you throw that mix in. Uh, of some of those talented players, and I think you get a really interesting, uh, you know, result. So uh, after that pick, Osama actually jumps ahead 7-6 to six after the uh, the 10th overall pick. So we'll move on to the 11th overall pick being made by the Denver Nuggets, and that is small forward Doug McDermott, a.k.a. Dougie, Dougie McBuckets, that's a tongue twister, out of Creighton. So, Osama, who did you have the Nuggets picking here?
1: Adam taking Joe Harris here. Um, later on in this draft, they did take Gary Harris, the, a different Harris, so they were looking for shooting. Well, Joe Harris has been, I mean, up until recently, which was a little unfortunate, much more durable than Gary Harris. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy for most of his career. Uh, Joe Harris, as we've seen, a lights-out shooter. How many other Spot-up shooters, can you say, are better than Joe Harris in the league if you catch him um, on, in a transition breakaway three. Uh, this would have been a good fit, given them depth with Will Barton, uh, shooting guard as well. So I really like Joe Harris here. Um, he would have been playing with um, – they they didn't draft earlier. No, they didn't draft earlier. So, yeah, Joe Harris would have been really solid here.
2: Yeah, I, I actually made this pick uh, keeping in mind that it was later traded to Chicago. Um, so I took Kyle Anderson here and I thought, you know, this is the guy that if you're we talking about him, this pig being going to the bulls, he, he fit, he would fit here in Denver. He'd also fit here for the bulls, but thinking about him on the bulls, he's a really nice three and D type of guy. Uh, he fits nicely next to Jimmy buckets. And you know, this is a guy that dibs would love to have on his team here, Kyle Anderson. Um, so if, if, if this pick was the one that was traded over to the Chicago bulls and Kyle Anderson is the guy they get, uh you know that's a guy that Tibbs would absolutely love he's a career 33.9% from threes averages one steal a game 0.6 blocks and uh another surprising metric here is he's fifth in this draft class over in the warp uh metric there but again how much of that is uh him being on winning teams early on in his career but yeah Kyle Anderson's the pick here for me
0: I will agree with you so I know win shares is uh, definitely impacted by uh the team that you're on but i think vorp which is value over replacement player is i don't think that's team dependent at all um and that like you said he is fifth overall um and you look at the rest of the list you got Jokic, and bead capella and julius Randle ahead of him and uh, he's tied just about with with zach levine at fifth or sixth on this list the thing is with, with kyle anderson who also does have a great nickname in slow-mo uh, is that he's he's just a winning player. He doesn't do anything particularly well, like really well. But he does a lot of things pretty well. Uh, he's a good shooter, good defender. Uh, he's reliable. He's got good size. He's durable. Um, as as opposed to Joe Harris, who is more of a one trick pony. Which is obviously something that you need. You need spacing. You need shooting. But on a team like either one, either Denver or Chicago, I think Kyle Anderson is. Uh, a much easier fit and he's a guy that you can kind of leave on the floor you don't have to worry about uh you know situations or anything like that you can just play him uh because he can fit just about anywhere and he's been part of a lot of winning organizations and winning situations so uh with that we're back we're tied up again uh but osama any uh, rebuttals to uh, me picking kyle anderson
1: yeah I, I didn't pick kyle anderson at all spoiler alert in this i just think he is an awful defensive player. Um, he's an underrated offensive player. He's sneaky. Um, but I think a lot of that came in his win shares came with his time playing in San Antonio where they won 55. They won 67 games one year. Um, but I, I think that that's a huge part of why he's seen as like a, a locker room guy. Uh, I don't think he's that talented of an offensive player. He doesn't space the floor today. And defensively, he's barbecue chicken. But, hey, you know, to each their own.
0: Totally fair. Um, he's also uh, fourth in box score plus minus. But again, that could be part of the uh, uh, team impact there. Uh, so with the we'll move on to the 12th overall pick. And this is uh, the pick that uh, Orlando traded to Philadelphia. Uh, the Orlando Magic, a.k.a. Philadelphia 76ers, selected power forward Dario Saric, who also has a great nickname. They call him the homie uh, Dario, uh, out of Croatia. So, Salman, who did you have, essentially the 76ers picking uh, 12th overall?
2: Yes, uh, this is where I had him going, Aaron Gordon. And, you know, I I was a big Aaron Gordon fan coming into this draft. I loved him. Uh, You know, he's showing flashes, but he just never was a consistent enough of a player on the Magic. But, man, put him here on the 76ers, pair him up with uh, Levine, who I took earlier. And you have probably one of the most entertaining teams in the NBA at this point. Um, even though they're still tanking. And, you know, you, you have two guys who could fly here. And, you know, Eric, Aaron Gordon is a, you know, score first power forward, but he can kind of grab rebounds and he's developed into a solid defender. And it's it's a much better player to have starting on your team versus, you know, an old Drew Gordon, uh, Maba Mute, and Thomas Robinson here. I meant an old Maba Mute, not Drew Gordon. Go ahead, Osama, sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, no worries. Yeah, I went with Bogdan Bogdanovich here. Um, he was drafted and then spent a couple of years developing his game overseas. And when he came back, he was a highly coveted free agent um, right away. And we saw his impact in Atlanta. He's a great shooter. Um, he's a really good playmaker as well. Um, I think he, he, he's a good fit here. Um, I, yeah, I, I think that, that, that um, it's, it's hard to find these, again, talented stretch players, um, that are versatile because of their size. I like Bogdanovich here.
0: I went uh, with Aaron Gordon. Uh, definitely, I, I don't think that he can drop that far. Uh, I mean, he is one of the better players in this draft, and I, I don't think he can drop much further than than 12th. Um, and I think on this team, so the, the 2015-16 uh, Philadelphia 76ers were one of the worst teams in the NBA ever. They won 10 games And uh, the 2015 or 2014-15 iteration was not much better. They won 18 games and then 10 games. Uh, so I think a team that had Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon is obviously not going to be that bad. <laughs> if you look at the names that, that played for this Sixers team that year, it was is horrendous. Um, I don't think that... Uh, it, it, I guess it, it makes sense if you take a guy that maybe you can stash for a little bit. I don't know if that was your intention with Bogdanovich, but I don't think that he's able to make the same impact right away that Aaron Gordon could, could especially if you run that two-man game uh, with him and, and Zach Levine. I think they immediately become, like Solomon said, one of the the most fun teams to watch uh, in the NBA. So I think that that gives them the the or gives Gordon, I'm sorry, the the clear edge here. Uh, in going to Philadelphia, so what do you say, Sam?
1: Yeah, I mean, he fell really far down. I don't think I could have picked anybody here uh, that would have that of that's av- still available that would have won this spot. Yeah, maybe it was smart of someone to stash him until we <laughs> I kind of intentionally
2: left him left him at the bottom. And I was like, oh man, can I get a Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon pairing here? Maybe that's a little bit of what's going in my mind, but uh, I, he definitely was in in those other spots considered for sure.
0: I mean it it would have been a lot of fun and I think uh f- the Philadelphia fans would have been really excited because that uh that era the process era was was really tough to watch especially that that 10 win season was kind of the scraping the bottom of the barrel when it came to uh NBA teams and NBA talent it's like they they were definitely trying to lose and you could you could see it in the roster development and the, the roster makeup and the the way that they were just gra- basically grabbing guys off the street <laughs> essentially to play so this would have ended the process, quote-unquote, a little bit earlier. Um, and you can imagine a team with Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon, and, and Joel Embiid doing pretty well in the East. So that well, would have been a lot of fun. Uh, well, I guess Joel Embiid wouldn't be on the team in this, uh, this universe, but I'm getting all mixed up. Um, all right, next up, the, uh, with the 13th overall pick, the Minnesota Timberwolves selected shooting guard Zach Levine out of UCLA, a.k.a. Young Hollywood, Uh, So, Sema, who did you have the Timberwolves picking here?
1: Adam taking Spencer Dinwiddie here. Um, I think that it's a great one-two punch with Ricky Rubio as kind of a defensive point guard, not a great shooter. Dinwiddie, one of the quickest first steps in the league, really great at getting to the basket, drawing fouls, getting to the free throw line. He's a great distributor of the basketball, too. He's no slouch there. He showed that in his time in Brooklyn when he had a much higher usage rate, and he's a good complimentary number two next to Luka Doncic uh, right now in Dallas so I, I like Spence here
2: I actually took uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich here for the Timberwolves um, clearly they needed some shooting and playmaking and you know if they if this is where they end up also trading Kevin Love and getting Nikola Jokic here instead of Andrew Wiggins he becomes a really nice pairing there with him You know, like all the things Osama said about him earlier, he took some time to develop and he came over and then he played pretty well. He averaged, you know, 15 points per game while just playing under 30 a game and shooting over 36% from the three point line. And so he's a solid rotational uh, player and he would have given the Wolves some bench depth and shooting here.
0: I I appreciate both picks. I think they both would have uh, made perfect sense here. I like uh, Bogdanovich as a player, but I think for the same reasons, I think that. I didn't pick him with the last uh, selection, is because of that, maybe that need to develop and such. Um, so I went with with Spencer Dinwiddie. I know he had a, a kind of a similar thing where he was drafted and by by Detroit, and it took him a while to get started. He didn't really find his feet uh, until he got to Brooklyn. But I think that was more of a uh, an opportunity thing than a talent thing. So I think on a Minnesota team where In this universe, they are able to uh, trade for uh, Nikola Jokic. I think that would have been a great pairing. Uh, I think we've seen that that Jokic can play with just about anybody. But having uh, that fun little two-man game with him and and Dinwiddie and and Jokic would have been a lot of fun. It would have made them a a competitive team. You can just do the same thing with Bogdanovich. You can kind of plug and play either of them. But uh, I think Dinwiddie is able to contribute right away. And I think that... uh, we're kind of seeing the best of him on this Dallas team, and I, I think that, that that for those reasons, uh, I'm going to go with Dinwiddie. So uh, what do you think, uh, Soman? Sorry, uh, Osama. Wait, no, Soman. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, I could see it maybe a little bit, but I think, you know, I, to be fair, if you wanted a guy who contributes right away, Dinwiddie is the better pick for sure over Bogdanovich, who takes a couple of years to develop and then comes into the NBA.
0: Yeah, I think they're, they're pretty similar players um, I th- in terms of, of what they can offer a team. So if the only deciding factor is is who can play sooner, then I think for that reason you go with, uh, with Dan Whitty. So, all right. Uh, the next pick is uh, the 14th overall pick, which belongs to the Phoenix Suns, and they selected small forward T.J. Warren out of nc state who they ended up trading for basically nothing later on in his career which is very strange but anyway uh Solman, who did you have the Suns picking here
2: i had him going Yusuf nurkic here and so it was clear the Suns needed a center they were starting alex len here and i think nurkic here would have been a great fit um maybe he should have gone a little bit higher for me here but you know nurkic's career has kind of been slowly slowly uh going it's getting worse for him and you know in this era where the NBA is moving away from traditional big men's Nurkic is you know a very traditional big he scores in the post um, he grabs rebounds right that's his kind of bread and butter he's not a great defender by any means and so I thought you know he is a great fit here for the Suns uh, he's still a talented guy should be definitely worthy of the lottery reselection and so definitely an upgrade over here over Alex Len.
1: I actually went with TJ Warren here I think this was a good pick by the Phoenix Suns, uh, they had plenty of guards already, uh, with Goran Dragic, Isaiah Thomas, etc. Um, they had PJ Tucker starting, I believe, uh, at at, uh, at the three or the four at this point. They had Marcus Morris or Marquise Morris or maybe both Morris's. Uh, I don't recall. Uh, he would have been great here. He was he's a great bucket getter. Health lately has been an issue for him, but uh, he showed in the bubble he can be he can really light it up. Defensively, he's okay. Uh, but he's one of those guys that this far down the draft you're getting a really solid score uh it's 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 a it's a, it was a steal for them. It's a shame they gave him away for nothing.
0: I'm really liking Solman's strategy of uh leaving these really good players for the end uh because he's able to pick up some valuable points uh down here at the bottom of this uh lottery quote unquote uh I understand the reasons to pick TJ Warren. I think he's a good scorer at at this level. Um, I do not accept any bubble statistics or bubble talk uh, when it comes to these guys. Uh, We've seen that uh, the bubble was not real basketball, in my opinion, real NBA basketball. Uh, You don't have dueling 50-point playoff games in any other situation except when they're playing in essentially an open gym, Uh, so I'm not going to accept that, and I think it was three or four games where T.J. Warren looked like the best player in the NBA, and he has never done that in any other season of his uh, eight-year career. So for that reason, I am throwing out, again, any bubble statistics or bubble talk and giving uh, Salman the edge here uh, with Yusuf Nurkic. So what do you think, Sam?
1: I don't think there's anyone I could have picked here once again that could that's available that was a better option than Yusuf Nurkic.
0: It's a smart strategy. He's like the guy in the, uh, the auction drafts that saves up all his money, doesn't pick anybody for the first like, 30, 40 minutes, and then spends, I don't know, 100 bucks on Pat Mahomes, uh, whoever it is. righty. <laughs> uh, so with the last pick of the top half of the 2014 NBA draft, the Atlanta Hawks selected power forward Adrian Payne out of Michigan State. Uh, Osama, who did you have the Hawks picking here?
1: Yeah, this, the, their original pick was not a good one. I had them taking Jordan Clarkson here, uh, future six-man of the year. At this point, you just want solid depth, and this is a guy who throughout his career has shown he's a great spark plug off the bench. They had Jeff Teague, who was uh, a, a, an okay starter. He was really the only uh, point guard on the roster. Dennis Schroeder, uh, not a great point guard. I think he would have lost his job to Jordan Clarkson here uh, maybe after a couple seasons. Uh, But a a great uh, trio of guards. I think you could have interchanged him at shooting guard uh, with Kyle Corver. They could have really spaced the floor. They won, I think, 60 games that that particular season. So uh, they could have used a little more scoring punch. They lost to a Cleveland Cavaliers team without Kevin Lover, Kyrie Irving. It could have used a little extra scoring.
2: I went here, TJ Warren, um, You know, Jordan Clarkson and all these other guys are off the board for me here. But when healthy, TJ Warren's the guy who can get buckets, right? He I know he missed two years with a foot injury, but he's kind of returned back here this season and kind of looking like the scorer he was before. And his career averages are 15.5 points per game while playing 28.6 minutes per game and shooting 35.7% from threes, and he's a career 50.4% field goal uh, shooter. So, I, you know, I think Warren would have been a great fit here for the Hawks next to Al Horford, Jeff T., Kyle Corver. Uh, he could have been a little bit of a ISO Joe light. Uh, not exactly what everything ISO Joe does, but Warren could do some of that stuff for the Hawks and just give them another scoring punch here that they desperately needed.
0: So I, uh, I'm i sorry to announce this, but we actually ended up with another tie. So uh, I give uh, <laughs> Sama the edge here, picking Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> uh, maybe there's something to do with our scoring system. Maybe we need to rethink how we're doing this, but... The question I have for you is, Osama, do you do you think that the guys that you picked the last, I don't know, three, four picks are better players than Jordan Clarkson? You picked Joe Harris, uh, Bogdanovich, Dinwiddie. Do you think those are all better players than Clarkson, or was it a fit issue that made you uh, pick him a little bit later in the draft?
1: I think defensively he's such a liability that it's hard to pick a player that bad on defense any higher than 15. Um there are some other players on this list that are bad defensively, like Julius Randle, but they more than make up for it with their talent. Uh, but here, uh, given his ability, it's not a bad spot for a six-man of the year to be drafted.
0: Yeah, and this was the team that, that did end up winning 60 games, uh, even though they, they, didn't, they had, were either swept in the first round or in the second round. They, they, they were swept
1: in the conference team. finals by a Kyrie Irving-less Kevin Loveless. Cleveland so team.
0: Kevin Love was already out. He had that shoulder injury when they played uh, Boston. I think uh, Olenek was the one that yanked his shoulder out of his uh, his joint. But uh, Kyrie was still on the team, and he was still playing. He was knocked out, I think, in game two of the NBA Finals. So I'm pretty sure Kyrie was still playing. But the point still stands that they were swept in the conference finals despite winning 60 games and being the one seed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but yeah, so we end up with a tie. How do you guys feel after two ties in a
1: row? <laughs> <laughs> this is, I think we're going to start doing uh, negative points, we're a formidable matchup. I think we, we mesh well at picking talent and it's just funny. I think because the first three were a tie, that might be why, the, this was the case It negated a couple of them, uh, down the stretch when we were trying to break away. And, uh, you know, some man cheated by putting like Michael Jordan or Aaron Gordon <laughs> at, uh, at number 10 so <laughs> that made it a little difficult on my end regardless of of who i picked but this was a really stacked draft i think we did a good job of picking guys and we made our cases
0: it was a really stacked draft that that was one of the the cool things i really appreciated about it was just the fact that there was so much talent in the you know kind of back half of the draft um we probably should have pointed out a little more, a little clearer, but there were several second-round picks that made their way into the lottery. Uh, Jordan Clarkson was one of them. Uh, Jeremy Grant, Spencer Dinwiddie. I'm sure I'm missing some other guys, but there was a few guys. Jokic, yeah, of course, Jokic <laughs> from uh, what was it, 41st overall, all the way up to first overall. So that that's quite a jump. Uh, yeah, Jordan Clarkson was 46th. Jeremy Grant was 39th. Uh, Clint Capella was 25th Uh, Joe Harris was 33rd so a a few second round picks that that made their way into the lottery Um, are there any guys that were on your bubble that you uh, was hard to uh, to leave off
1: not really I think Dwight Powell was still out there but uh, that was kind of a close one for me Uh, but that's that's about it
2: yeah, I would say Dwight Powell, uh Joe Harris, maybe Alfred Payton, maybe Tory Craig who was undrafted here, uh, Maxi Kleber, some of those guys would have been considered, but yeah, uh really just a handful of guys.
0: Yeah, Maxi Kleber and, and Tory Craig were the two undrafted guys that I, I talked I mentioned earlier. Um, and then the other one was uh Rodney Hood, I thought maybe he had a chance to be here. He was he was one of the, the leaders in the Win shares. Yep. Uh, yeah,
2: that's fair. Rodney Hood. I think if he didn't get hurt, he would have definitely been here for sure.
0: Yeah, he was part of those, you know, pretty solid Portland teams, and then just uh, fell off pretty hard after after injury. So, this was a great draft, and I'm I'm apologizing to our our listeners for another tie, <laughs> but I think, uh, like Usama said, I think that the first three being the same set the tone for the rest of the draft. I expected a little more variance after pick two, or even you know. Maybe Embiid going over uh, Jokic, depending on how much you like Embiid. But I guess it's hard to pick against the two-time, maybe three-time MVP. Uh, but thank you, everyone. We appreciate you guys checking us out. Thank you for uh, checking in the, with the 4040 Vision podcast on our 2014 NBA redraft. Uh, make sure to follow us on all the social media platforms. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at 4040 Pod. And make sure to uh, subscribe and leave us a review on any of the podcasting platforms that you currently use. We are on uh, Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, just about anywhere you can find a podcast, we are there. Peace out everybody, thank you.